Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome aboard the National Football Show. It's your boy, Dan Cilio. Thursday. I was just talking to my guys, man. We're a couple weeks away from Cowboys and Steelers showing up and getting ready for the Hall of Fame game in Canton, Ohio. I mean, we are here. Now, look, there's a part of me that says, okay, I can't wait for football season because that means the end of summer. But, man, I can't wait for football season. I so love it, man. So, welcome aboard the National Football Show. Once again, another powerhouse show. We're going to go expand the globe, as my good friend Jim McKay would say. In this hour, we'll talk to Kim Bocamper, part of the broadcast team for the Miami Dolphins, former All-Pro himself. And we'll get his thoughts on Tua Tagovailoa, the Dolphins. You know, we, we had Armando Salguero on a couple weeks ago, and things have changed. Because now you're hearing people in the Miami front office making comments or at least leaking it out. You know, Tua's going to get an opportunity. And it's kind of with a wink-wink. I still think there's an opportunity for them to potentially go after Deshaun Watson. And we're going to hear more information on that because according to all the people that are associated with the Houston Texans, we're going to get some clarity a little bit. I think that's what you can use the word clarity on the status of Deshaun Watson going into training camp. Are they going to put him on the commissioner's exempt list? Are they going to shelf him? What are you going to do as these cases are still pending against him? And as I've been telling you, they're civil actions. So they're not really criminal actions. So I don't know. You can keep him out of training camp. But then again, Watson has said he'll never play with the Texans. So little bit of clarity needs to come out of the Houston Texans camp over the next week. I think that'll also clear up if there's going to be teams like Carolina and the Miami Dolphins, maybe even the Denver Broncos, that could make a play for Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson's one of the most talented players at the quarterback position in the National Football League, and he has made it very clear with his agent he does not want to play for that organization any longer in Houston. So we'll get that. Let me throw this at you. So tonight is game two of the NBA playoffs. Yeah, in case you didn't know it, game two is tonight. Bucks in Phoenix Suns. Okay. Phoenix ended up blowing out the Milwaukee Bucks in game one. And by the way, ratings as expected, terrible. I'm just trying to figure out, you know, when you have your marquee event, these are your finals, okay? And you have your marquee event, and you're getting horrible ratings. You have very little storylines. You know what the storylines are in this thing? Chris Paul potentially winning a championship ring, which is dope. I'm all for this. That's good. But if you had to put Chris Paul on the scale of 1 to 20 when it came to being a star in the NBA, would you have him in the top 10? Maybe, right? But how many of the NBA guys really moved the needle? Do you think Kyrie Irving moves the needle? 
The only reason Kyrie Irving moves the needle, it's for two things. The guy's a wacko and thinks the world's flat, and he's great. And Kevin Durant, with his, like, you know, his, his ghost accounts on Twitter, you know, and him going around arguing with nobodies with eggs on their Twitter page. And he got LeBron James. Anthony Davis isn't anybody you sit around going like this. Yeah, man, that's pretty interesting. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I look at that whole scenario there, and I'm like, what is the storyline? Giannis? How many people even in America even know who that dude is? Oh, yeah, the guy who won the MVPs back-to-back? Was it that Jabbar? No, man, wrong decade. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, oh, yeah, the guy from Greece, I think, right? Oh, the Bucks may win. Great. You're not really captivating an audience out there that you're trying to grow your base. The NBA, as we said yesterday, along with baseball, okay, you have no idea how to promote your sport. You can't just wrap it all around LeBron James. And for the record, man, I don't think LeBron James is a needle mover. I really don't. Last year, they had ultimate low ratings with LeBron and his Lakers. Do you know the Lakers get trash ratings in Los Angeles? I'm going to tell you why. Doesn't it feel that that Laker team, which is kind of slapped together like Lego blocks, wasn't really like a Kobe team, right? And I think, quite frankly, LeBron parachutes in, and all of a sudden, he's like the next guy, and he's supposed to take the baton from Kobe. I think Laker fans and Kobe fans looked at that guy and went, man, you ain't a Laker. You're a rent-a-Laker. You know, you look at certain guys who parachute into these places. I mean, you're you're – you're not really a Laker. You're kind of wearing the gear. And that's why I think people look at LeBron and go, well, he's not really. I, and when you think of LeBron, you don't look at him as a Laker. You look at him as a Cavalier. I don't even look at him as a Miami Heat. I look at him as a Cleveland Cavalier, right? So he's kind of like a Rena dude. You know, like Wilt was back in the day. Then you got baseball and their issues. I mean, Look, you got one guy in the game right now that's resonating. And guess what? Baseball's afraid of him. Let me put this out there before we get into our sandbox of football here, and I'll show you why football rules. So baseball has a shining star right now, and they don't even know it. His name is Shohei Otani. He is a Japanese-born superstar. He's on pace for 62 home runs. What? And by the way, he is an all-star pitcher. We haven't seen anything like this since Babe Ruth. He's the only com- dude. When you're in a conversation with Babe Ruth and you're actually being compared to what Ruth did back in the day when he was a superstar pitcher and he was arguably the greatest left-hand hitter in the history of baseball, you're in like select company. Nobody did what Ruth did. If Ruth went on to pitch back in the day, if you look at his numbers, he held the World Series number forever when it had uh, the number up there that he had the lowest ERA in World Series history. Babe Ruth owned it. I mean, this guy was absolutely a freak show. I think this guy even won 20 games. I think he even almost won 100 ball games as a starting pitcher, and this guy hit 700-plus home runs. Come on, man. Okay? Uh, come on. And don't give me the stuff that they didn't have African-Americans in the sport back then because Ruth barnstormed with the Negro Leagues, and he hit 357 against guys like Satchel Paige. 
That's why Ruth, every time he got back to the beer drinking league known as Major League Baseball, he crushed them dudes. So Ruth's story is iconic. It's like him and then everyone else in the history of the sport. They got a guy in this guy, Shohei Otani. But baseball doesn't know what to do. You know what they're more concerned with? Moving the all-star game out of Atlanta for political reasons and thinking that they're a political party and they move it to Colorado. That's the first and only storyline outside of Otani in the first half of baseball is that they move the all-star game. How ridiculous is that? That's what your narrative is? Football, football owns the sports page because of dumb moves like this. I'm going to give you a little history lesson here before we move on. It's funny everybody thinks that the Dodgers, you know, in their great history, always looks at, you know, their historical move when they made Jackie Robinson, the first African-American to play in Major League Baseball. Great move. Wasn't really the O'Malley family. It was Branch Rickey. Branch Rickey was the guy that said baseball needs this financially and spiritually and athletically. You think Walter O'Malley, the owner of the Dodgers, was going to go against his business partners? Never. He was never going to do that. But it was Branch Rickey. By the way, so you know it was all Rickey. When Rickey got fired by the Dodgers back in the day, you know where he went? He went to the Pirates. And guess who he brought in? All the Dominican players. He brought Dominican and black players into Pittsburgh, like Roberto Clemente, Manny Sanguin, Willie Stargell. Why do you think the Pirates were so dominant back in the day? Because it was Ricky that set that up. Was it O'Malley? O'Malley was a viper to people in Brooklyn and on the East Coast. I'm going to make the white baseball doesn't get it in football does here in a minute. So what did they do? They moved the team to Los Angeles. You know Chavez Ravine is where Dodger Stadium is right now? Hey, folks, that piece of land was given to the Dodgers. And you know what they did? They displaced Mexican-Americans and Mexicans that came up from Mexico. The Mexican population in Southern California hated the Dodgers forever. And it was one guy who saved that franchise in Southern California. I'd say he had almost as much of an impact on the sport of baseball and the Dodger organization as Jackie Robinson did. That guy's name is Fernando Valenzuela. Valenzuela was a Mexican-born pitcher who came into the sport and electrified it. You had Mexicans showing up for the first time who were thrown out of their homes in Southern California, Chavez Ravine. And it was him who saved the day. Baseball has another opportunity. With all the hate crime going on with Asian-Americans and the growth of that ugly scene in this country, you got Shohei Otani. Why don't you put him front and center? Why don't you make that guy your poster child for what's right with your sport? You have an opportunity, but baseball's so afraid. You know, the stupid-ass writers that write for baseball, these are the same people that do this. Well, you know, the home run records and PED, who cares? You think the NFL gives a rat's ass about their record books? What do you think they change the rules for all the time? Nobody cares about receiving records or touchdown records or passing yards in the NFL. You know what they care about? They care about the cash register. And they care about making people go to the Red Zone channel so you can gamble. Why do you think you have DraftKings and all these other places now? You have that now because gambling is a major part of the NFL. 
And it's a good thing because it brings more money into the sport, which means it's funneled down to the players. Baseball is not afraid, or baseball is afraid. Football's not afraid. Catch this kid, Joey Otani. He's an all-star pitcher and a superstar hitter, and you don't know what to do with him. Because you know why? You don't know what to do with your sport when it comes to promoting it. It's funny. You got Mike Trout on that same team. You never know it. Trout's considered like the modern-day Ken Griffey Jr. and Mickey Mantle, and nobody knows his name. It's crazy. I mean, baseball's so awful at promoting their sport. The NFL, they own it. No matter what's said, no matter who you're talking, you could be having a conversation about Jared Goff or Matthew Stafford, and you, you're going to move the needle because it's football. Because it's football. So I, I was talking to the guys. Let me move on here. So I was talking to the guys before we went on, and I guess Danny Green went on a podcast and started bitching about Philadelphia fans. Good move, kid. Dude, what a dummy. What a dummy. Know the room. Know the room. Why add anything to the conversation? Now, listen, he was asked a question, and he answered it. Sometimes when you're honest, man, you're going to get hammered for being honest. Trust me, I know. See, that's controversial when you're honest because most people can't handle honesty. I tell people this all the time. When you're honest, people don't like to hear the truth, dude. That's controversial. Because people always say this, Big Sills is controversial. No, I'm not. I'm truthful. And if you think that's controversial, who would ever thought controversial is truth? But it's just hidden. You know, it's, it's a word that people, like, hide behind. Well, he's controversial. No, he's not. He just speaks the truth, no matter what side you're on when it comes to a topic. That's called being a talk show host. Okay, and if you don't like it, people are always going to dissect 5% of what you say. So Green's like, yeah, I wish Philly fans, and I'm paraphrasing here, were a little bit more supportive of Ben Simmons. Dude, you're going to tell a fan how to act? And especially in a city like that. I mean, Pittsburgh too. Boston. There's hotbed cities that when you start aiming your comments at the fan base, bro, 70% of that fan base is going to come back and put you on blast. And Ben Simmons is a person, in my opinion, who doesn't want to work at his game. This guy throws bricks against the backboard. He can't shoot. And get this, the most important thing is he's afraid to shoot. Who would have ever thought that you would add a narrative into an athlete Using the word afraid. You know, I always thought athletes were the people that rowed out to sea with no oars in their boat. And those guys rowed out and they let the wind take it where it is because you can't have one foot on the beach and one foot in the ocean and say, I'm all in. Ben Simmons is not all in on getting better. He doesn't work at his craft. Lamar Jackson is a great example of this. Lamar Jackson this guy couldn't hit the broadside of a barn his first year when uh, John Harbaugh put him into the starting lineup for the Ravens. I was like this, and I even said it. That guy will never be in this league past five years. I said that. What did he do? Goes into the offseason, works his ass off. Leads the NFL in passing. This guy has now won 80% of his ball games. 
They're working on a long-term contract extension for him. He's must-see television. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I don't try to jam that square peg into a round hole like most of the old fart sports guys do. I'm wrong. That guy's a star. But you're glad to see that. I'm not rooting against Lamar. It was an opinion. What did he do, though? This guy went out and worked his ass off. You know what Simmons does? He eats ding-dongs and devil dogs all day, doesn't work at his craft, and then bitches and cries about people going like this to him. Why are they mad at me? Because you suck when it matters. Yeah, but I'm one of the best defenders. Haas, they're paying you that money that you're making for a reason. Not to just be, well, kind of a one-way player. Draymond Green's that guy. You want to be considered Draymond Green? By the way, Draymond Green's probably going to be a Hall of Famer. You want to be that guy? Sixers have different aspirations for you. Actually, get this. This is always a troubling thing when an organization, football, baseball, what have you, when they have more expectations than the player himself. That's what's going on with Simmons. The Sixers and general manager Daryl Morey have more expectations. But I'll tell you what's something that I hope doesn't happen that happened with Carson Wentz in Philly. The more you dog that guy, the more there's going to be a narrative that's going to be put out there that this kid blows, he's no good, he's not somebody you want on your team. Congratulations to you. Now you're not going to get what you want in market value return. Okay, so Philly fan, do this. Keep banging on that guy like you did Wentz, and you'll never get a first-rounder. Or you'll get garbage back in return. If you were trying to sell your house, would you light it on fire and go, yeah, man, we just had a fire here, you know, and or would you go like this? This house is in pristine shape. It's just great. We love living here. We really didn't want to move. You know, it's one of the greatest homes I've ever been in. Same thing with your car. Would you go, hey, it's been in a bunch of, you know, wrecks here, a couple fender benders here, but it's really a decent car. When you say this, man, I love this car, man. I've had it for 200,000 miles. I mean, it's my, you try to build what you're trying to sell instead of tearing it down. Because after a while, people are going to go like this. Yeah, that guy does suck. Yeah, I can't count him in the clutch. Every time Philly guy opened his mouth and every time the Eagles opened their pie hole, the Colts were sitting back going, phenomenal. Yeah, we're going to have an open competition at the quarterback position in Philly. Congratulations to you. When you said that statement, you lost the first rounder. Look at what they did in Miami. Brian Flores comes out immediately and does this. Hey, man, we're 1,000% behind Tua Tagovailoa. Maybe they weren't behind the scenes. But they weren't going to give that public illusion out there that they were not going to be backing this guy. What the hell is that about? They knew how to least keep their value for the guy that they drafted and moved up into the draft. They weren't going to diminish him any more than some of the public statement that's been thrown out there in a narrative that's been thrown out about Tua Tagovailoa. You know, passion's great in markets, but also understanding that, hey, if you want to get return on investment, which you barely do when you're trading a player, like, do you think the Green Bay Packers were ever going to get a return on investment for Aaron? What do you think the market value would be for Aaron Rodgers, even at 37? 
three first rounders. That guy could electrify your organization just being put in your huddle. And you're going to try to tell me, oh, well, you know, he's really, you know, he's kind of like an aloof guy. You know, he's kind of hard to deal. Shut up, dude. Like Mark Murphy, be quiet. Do yourself a favor. Well, we do things here at the Packers. Dude, shut up, man. Nobody cares about that. So you hear these people talking and, you know, Danny Green hitting the fans up in Philly. Dude, if I were you, man, I would demand a trade by just saying, I need out of here, man, because it ain't going to go well for you. That you, you are not going to win. You, how about this? Short of winning an NBA championship, you'll never win that fan base back. Never. How about this? You could have a career year, and it won't matter. That's not how that's played there. In Philly, Haas, one, one aim of an arrow at that fan base, and it doesn't stick where you want it to, it's coming right back at you like a boomerang. <laughs> Not very smart. Not smart at all. So when people start ragging on, on, you know why I like Philly fan? Let me tell you why I like them. They hold you accountable. Are the expectations too high? No. You're a pro athlete. You make 500 grand a night. No. No. This is professional sports, not working, and no disrespect, at a 7-Eleven. My only pressure is getting up in the morning and getting my ass to work. That guy's got to perform. Being a pro athlete, some of these guys think it's like, well, you know, bricklayers get up. They don't have pressure on them. Yeah, they're not making 500 grand, and they have a harder job than you, kid. Don't get these guys sometimes. LeBron... Complaining about, well, you know, we got back-to-back. Shut up, guy. No one wants to hear a billionaire complaining about working hard. That's why people hate you. They hate you because you talk like that. Because it comes off like you're talking down to people. Hey, you know, back-to-backs. Shut up. Just shut up, man. All right. I have, like, different thought processes of what the Dolphins are going to do in the AFC East this coming season. I, you know, I have one guy tell me, I don't know. I have another person say that they're going to be one of the hot teams coming up in 2021. One of my dear friends, Kim Camper, one of the absolutely best broadcasters who's part of the broadcast team for the Dolphins and former pro bowler himself. He'll join us next. You keep it right here on the national football show. I get scared sometimes of a lot of things joining in decisions the dark the dark but i once heard someone say but as i always say it's okay to be afraid as long as you face the fear and keep moving forward wherever you are in life count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years independence blue cross Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. 
Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back to the National Football Show. Dan Silio. You know, one of the great times in my life was spent in South Florida. And it was so cool because I played my college football at the Orange Bowl and I had a chance to be in the Orange Bowl with the Miami Dolphins at the same time. And I'll tell you what, during the 80s, we didn't lose a lot of games, both teams. And we were like rock stars in South Florida, both Dolphins and Hurricanes. And my relationship and our relationship, the Hurricanes with Don Shula and that organization was just second to none. And over the time, I got to be friends with many of the people that were in that organization. And one of them is joining us right now, and he's part of the broadcast team for the Miami Dolphins. He's my friend, Kim Camper, And I got to start it out by saying this, folks. Let me show you this here. Kim signed this for me a couple years ago at his bar down in South Florida. There it is, Kim Camper, And here he is with us right now. Kim, how you doing, brother? I'm doing great. I, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. It's, it's nice talking to you again. I haven't talked to you in a while, but... I'm looking at your pictures in the back, and I see you in those those glorious Tampa Bay uh, <laughs> sherbet sherbet colored colored jerseys, and and the number ninety three. And I see a number ninety three. It reminds me of the first time I ever saw you. I was at I don't know if it was a practice or a scrimmage or something, and I look on the field. I go, geez, look at that guy ninety three. I said, 
that guy looks strong. And he goes, yeah, he is strong. I said, what does he lift? He said, he lifts the whole gym. That's one of my first recollections, recollections of you. I got to tell you, too, and, and Kim, before we move on here to the current Dolphins here, I want to give you a Don Shula story. So we get back from beating, I think it was Oklahoma in 85. Yeah. And Coach Shula comes over to our practice and he goes, listen, we got a game on Monday night and it's against the Chicago Bears. Yeah. Why don't all of you guys come over and you guys could stand on the sidelines and you guys can root us on here. Yeah. You know, we all played at the Orange Bowl at the time, Kim, and it was so awesome because Coach Shula really, and this is when him and Jimmy were friends, yeah. and it was really a wonderful time being in that building. And there I was. I'm standing on the sidelines. I'm watching Dan Marino and that Miami Dolphin team beat that undefeated Bears team that night. That had to be one of the most electric nights in that building that I ever remember. We won a lot of football games. You guys won a lot of memorable games in that building too. But, man, that just shows you the relationship that the two teams had back then. It's funny you mention that because, you know, I was on the sideline for uh... – I was on a sideline for, for, to me, the game that, that got Vinny Testaverde the Heisman Trophy when he beat Oklahoma, and, and, they, and they, they just buried Brian Bosworth in that game. I was there for that game. I was standing on the sidelines for, for when uh, uh, the, the first national championship against Nebraska because Howard, you know, Howard was uh, the offensive coordinator when I first got the Dolphins, and then he goes to the to, uh, University of Miami, and there's a kinship. So, yeah, so really the whole time I was in Miami, because I had the first year in Miami, they were getting ready to do away with the program. They were ready to banish. They, no one was coming. They were playing on Friday nights. And then all of a sudden Howard gets there and turns around. And from that point forward, I think even to this day, there, there is a relationship between the Miami Dolphins and the UM. They're still playing in the same stadium. It's Hard Rock Stadium, but still playing in the same stadium. And, and I, think there's a, I think there's a symbiotic relationship that's existed for a long time between those teams. And, and the only bone I have to pick with, with the Miami guys, and probably Billy Corbin from more, more of the post, said, you know, that in, in the uh, – what was that? His, his documentary about the Canes. Yeah, 30 for 30, yeah. 30 for 30 on the Canes. He says, oh, the, the Hurricanes were more popular than the Dolphins. They could get it. Well, wait a minute. We played two no. Super Bowls during that time. We, had, <laughs> we, may, we, we may not have been going to the same places they were going, but we had our places to go. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway. Oh, oh no, no, no. I, I always – too, you know. Yeah, but I always told people, I was like, let me tell you something. And I've had conversations with, you know, people from the Steelers like Terry Bradshaw. And yeah. I go, look, you guys won four Super Bowls in six years. That's truly remarkable what yeah. you guys accomplished. But that Dolphin team went to three AFC championships, yeah. won three of them in a row. And on top of that, one of those teams was undefeated. And they won two back-to-back Super Bowls. Yeah. I don't know about you, Kim. But you talk about a span of football during that time. Yeah. I always tell people that was the golden age of football. The Raider dynasty was there. Yeah. The Chargers were good. The there were so many good teams, right? Still good. The Giants were coming on. It was good stuff. And and and, and, and but but you know and, and and look on. There were some days where if you're a football fan, you had Saturday with the Canes in the Orange Bowl, Sunday with the Dolphins in the Orange Bowl. Nothing better than that. Although when we got there, the field was pretty chewed up by you guys out there but we may do <laughs> absolutely kim let me throw this at you here and get into yeah. really what i guess the twenty four thousand question is here and that is to a tug of viola you know i watch justin herbert and i say this to people i don't care what anyone says you're always going to be evaluated especially at the quarterback position 
to the people that were drafted in your draft, like Dan Marino was in the 83 draft, what have you. You're always going to be in that conversation. When I watched Herbert in Chargerville, I was like, wow. When I saw even Joe Burrow with Cincinnati, I went, this kid can play. When I watched Tua last year, I did this. I don't know. Yeah, and it, I finished the year like that with him. Give me your assessment. Maybe I'm off base. Yeah, no, no, I don't think you are. And but I, but I think I can give you a couple different ideas. Like, like I saw, I saw. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't see much of Herbert you know, because I'm on the we're on the East Coast, and he's playing, you know, in Oregon, and you know those games. And I, and I caught, you know, I caught maybe the first half a couple, and I, and I really was never impressed with him in college. Now with Tua, when you saw him in Alabama, boy, this was a. a Lightning in a bottle, guy, right? And so you saw that, and so you kind of got enamored with that. And then, and then with the injury to him, and and and, and Herbert going to San Diego, and Burrow doing what he's doing, and uh, and and. But here's here's what I would say, and, and I'm kind of with you. The, when I first, when I, if I if I look back at the to his rookie year with the Dolphins, there's a couple of things that really popped out to me. One was that you know he's not as fast as I thought he was. He's elusive. He can move in the pocket. But he's not—he's not Kyler Murray. He's not going to go the distance. He's not going—you know—he's not going to be that guy. But but he's going to be able to pick up. He, you know, he's he's fast enough to where he can pick up yards. But he's not going to take it seventy like some of those some of these new young quarterbacks can do. So that was one thing. And the other thing was, well, geez, his arm strength wasn't quite what I expected either. Uh, but then I kind of backtracked a little bit, and I still I still believe those two things. But I backtrack a little bit, and I, I look at the offseason that Justin Herbert had and, 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 and Burrow had going into their rookie year. They got to get with receivers, work out, time, do all that kind of stuff, and, you know, get all that stuff. They got to go to OTA. Well, they didn't have OTAs, but they got to do all the things with physically. They worked out with their receivers and did that. Meanwhile, the whole time, too, is just he's just rehabbing his hip, right? He's just rehabbing his hip and, and trying to – he didn't throw a football until the first day of training camp. So he missed all that off-season stuff. So as I as I sit here right now, I'm saying thing. I'm saying it's a it's an un, it's an unfinished slate. He's he, if you see him now, I mean he's ripped. He, he look, this is a proud guy, and this is a classy guy, and 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 his family is very proud. And this is a guy that that wants to show everybody that they're wrong. And he's not. Look, he's not a, no, you're wrong, you're wrong. He goes, no, look, I'm just going to do my due diligence. I'm going to do my work, and I'm going to come out there. He's ripped. He's faster. I'm sure his arm strength is going to be a little better. We'll see if it translates. I think, to me, this is the year to evaluate Tua rather than last year because you also had the, the Fitzpatrick thing in there that was kind of quirky, and, you know, they, they put him in, and Tua, it just was a – it was just an odd situation. Um, but, but it was odd because they were winning – but you want to get your young guy in there, but you want, you know, so it was just a, it was just an odd thing. So I, I just kind of to wrap it up, I, I just think, you know, judging to a last year, maybe a little bit, I don't want to say unfair, just a little bit. Um, I don't think you get the full picture. I think this year with him coming in, you get the full picture and now you judge him legitimately. Is he a guy or not a guy? Or is he just another guy? And so you know, they've got, got him more weapons and, and, and I'll tell you this, and you know this, Dan, better than anybody. Um, you know, the, the game's going to be one loss in the line of scrimmage. Dolphins drafted three offensive linemen last year. Every one of them started. They played valuable snaps. And one thing that the Brian Flores regime has done in the short period he's been here is you can see 
they've done a great job. They've been, done a better job than probably the last four or five coaching staffs with the Dolphins. And I hate to be, I hate to be put the Dolphins in that mix, but that's where we are. They're seeing you're seeing players improve dramatically from year one to year two, and from year two to year three. So you got three offensive linemen in there that were rookies last year that played a bunch of downs and played really well. Coming into their second year, you, you draft another big kid and that then probably play right tackle and William Eichenberg out of Notre Dame. I think they're, you know, I may be the only one holding this opinion. I think their offensive line may very well be the strength of this football team. And if it's the strength of this football team, it certainly is going to help Tua to get his job done the way he wants to have it done. So many so things, things un, un, unravel there. And I'm, I'm going to get to those here in a second. Let me, let me throw this at you here too. You know, I, I, I think – like you just said, and I think you just convinced me of something. You know, Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow were throwing from behind. And when yep. you're throwing from behind, Kim, you're going to put giant numbers up. And when you're not winning, you're going to see guys that are going to go – you're going to go like this. Man, I'll tell you what. Same thing with Deshaun Watson in some factors last year. They had a horrible season, but he's putting up these big numbers. They just didn't have a defense, nor could they run the football. So right. when you're playing from behind – you're going to see these guys put bigger numbers up. Tua was in a system that was asking him to do particular things each and every single Sunday because they were winning, like you were saying. You're more confined to that, especially when you're a rookie. I'm not making excuses up for him, Kim, but that that's kind of what the landscape is. Yeah. When you're winning, you're more confined into the game plan. Right, yeah. And, and, and you know, you had every time they dropped Fitz in there, you know, he'd be Fitz. You know, so – you know, it's, it was that thing, but it, but uh, to me, it's 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 just, you know, uh, like I said, I I just I just think the evaluation last year was uh, was I, I don't want to say unfair because he went in and played, and if you play, you got to play well. And I don't think he played as bad as people. I think when you go back and you look I at agree. the numbers, when you look at his numbers and you look at him against you, and you, you go back to John Elway, you can go back to Peyton Manning, you can go back to you know some all these guys and look. And look at his rookie numbers, and I'm talking about guys that have, 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 have had Hall of Fame careers or maybe future Hall of Famers, and he, even, even Josh Allen up in, in Buffalo. You know, he had better rookie numbers than he had. So you're, you're evaluating him off numbers that were good, you know, were, were good enough for guys to turn out to be Hall of Famers or future Hall of Famers. Well, let's give him that year to see if, you know, he can build off that and, and be the type of player that everyone's expecting them to be. You know, you brought up the personnel on the football team, and I want to start with Chris Greer, the GM here. You know, and no shade on anybody, but I'll say this to you. In my years growing up as a young kid, the Miami Dolphins were the gold standard because the Robbie family was a football family. Yeah. And the owners, since those guys, I don't know, I think hiring non-football type or not getting it right. Maybe that's the one. Yeah. And I'm not throwing shade on anybody like Jeff fire. I'm not doing any of that, but the Robbies were great talent evaluators or they had people in the building that yeah. knew how to do it. It just seems to me that Chris Greer is bringing guys in and there seems to be a better evaluation of who these guys are. And as you know, Kim, it's not just about the first and second round guys. It's about yeah. finding guys in free agency, later rounds, because the majority of the league, people don't realize this, half the league is undrafted players or later round right. guys. Right. So, I mean, it, am I right when I say that and I see that assessment well, from outside well, yeah. that he's doing a good job? Well, look, they, 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 they go out and they get this kid from Oregon, Javon Harland, Holland, a safety. They got a bunch of safeties. This guy, this guy over this offseason has been – you always heard his name. 
hey, this guy's going to be good, you know. So, and here's a third round guy that's probably going to he's probably going to start for this team. But, but I, I think I think there was a number of things going on during that era, and it was a it was a bad era. It was the Joe Philbins. It was a, you know, I mean, it was just it was it was a, it was a disaster for this for this franchise, and and, you, and and but it wasn't all about personnel. You know, it was it was a little more of well, who gets credit for this pick? Or who gets credit for this pick if it's a bad pick? I, I, that wasn't my decision. But the good pick, oh, yeah, that was my guy. I picked him. So to me, there, you know what, the, the power struggle within the organization, I think, did a disservice to the players on the field because some people within the organization, and they're not here now, but some people were more concerned with how they were going to climb their way over somebody and get to the top rather than – you know, let's let's for the for the good of the football team. I can tell you this right now: between Chris Greer, between Brian Flores, going all the way up to Stephen Ross and Tom Garfinkel, the president, all those people, everybody's on the same page. Nobody's fighting for you know being this guy or that guy. It's all about putting a winning football team on the field. They just opened up a brand new fifty million dollar training facility that they'll go into this year. And again, it's just a commitment of, of of what the owner does for this football team. So, so to me, I think that 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 which I with that era for about which is about probably maybe maybe two decades almost. You know, to me, it's like L.A. You could push it in the ocean and let it drift off, and and I wouldn't miss it for a moment. Let's consider what's left over. You know what I mean? Absolutely, here. So you you Brent, you mentioned Brian Flores and. I had Armando Salguero on with me um, a couple weeks ago, and I and I, I'm impressed with him. I am, and I think you know Rome's not built, as they say, yeah. you know, overnight. It takes time, especially when you've been like you said the last two decades. And you know this franchise has kind of like been teetering. You know, it's just been floating out in the ocean, or one foot on the beach and one foot in the ocean, not really all in. And now I watch this guy coach. The first year he coached, the last quarter poll of the season, the final four games, I went like this. I think you guys beat the Eagles and maybe the yeah. Seahawks or something like that. And I went like this. This guy is coaching a bunch of nobodies and winning yeah. ball games. Yeah. And I was so impressed with him. And it seemingly has picked up. He obviously has to get to the postseason. He obviously yeah, has sure. to win games. But, I, I, you know, the silver lining is – this team's getting better and better with him. Do you, do you agree? I, I know, I, 100%. You know, you know, his first year, I'll give you how the first year went. I remember opening day, um, you know, they'd gone through the preseason, got their last cuts, did the whole thing. And then Thursday before the Sunday game opened for the home opener on Sunday, and I, I'm not sure if it was New England or somebody, but it was – I think it was New England. But anyway um, – they signed three offensive linemen on Thursday. Those three offensive linemen started the game on Sunday. <laughs> I, talked to th- I talked to all three of them after the game, and I asked, asked them the same question. Hey, how'd you find the stadium? They go, we had to Google it. We got to put it on Google Maps because we didn't even know how to get to the stadium. And the one guy said, well, I finally found out how to get to the stadium. It took me another half hour to find out where the locker room was. <laughs> and those guys started the game. And – they changed that offensive line every game of that season. They never once did they play two weeks in a row with the same five guys on the offensive line. That's just the offensive line. And it was the same thing was going on with everybody. But they were, you know what they were, you know what they were doing? They were look, these guys, this, 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 there was a bottom seven deal. 
the bottom seven, let's get rid of them, get seven other guys and see if we can pull a guy out of it. And so it was kind of that thing the whole season. But somehow, even with that, and that was going on till the end of the season, even with that said, they won five games and looked like a really good football team. And, and I, you know, I, 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 I don't really like this, these, these, these things about, you know, um, culture and this and that. Everyone wins a Super Bowl, we have great culture. You know, same team loses the Super Bowl with virtually the same thing next, team next year, and, and oh, our culture was horrible. You know what I mean? But, but what he did come in, he did come in and establish, like, very simple things. He, he put a – he painted on the wall, a, you know, a TNT on, the, on this wall. And it said, takes no talent. And so guy jumps off sides, hit the wall, you know. Guy, guy, you know, guy jumps off sides again, whole defense, hit the wall, including coaches. So, he, you know, I, tell, I was asked a question during a game, in a post game, uh, the first year they, they had beaten the Jets and, and Adam Gaze. And, and I was asked, Tim, you, you know, because I, I, I do the coaches show, so I, I get to know those guys pr- pretty well. And uh, so he said, look, you know both those guys well. You know Brian well, and you know Adam Gaze well. What's the difference between the two? And I said, well, you know, I, I, I was concerned with Adam Gaze in his second year when we went out to L.A. and played the chart or the, the, the Rams out there, uh, their first year in L.A. And, it was, and, they, and the Dolphins played horribly. They had 19 or 20 penalties. They couldn't get out of their own way. They couldn't get past the, the midfield. But in the last play of the game with six seconds left, Tanny Hill has Devontae Parker in the corner uh, for a touchdown. They win the game seven to six, right? So they win the game. So I'm in the post-game press conference after. And, and you know, after all the, hey, you guys won, da, da, da. And I said, coach, I said, let me ask a question. I said, you had 20 penalties in the game. Are you concerned about that? No, no, I don't concern myself with penalties. Whatever, they're going to happen. I don't concern myself with them. That's point one. Point two, they played the Dolphins the last game. And... It's coming down the line. I think the Jets are ahead by one. The Dolphins are moving the ball down the field. They're going to kick a field goal and go ahead or one, one way or another. And, I'm like, and I look at Adam Gaze, and he's over on the sideline sitting on the, sitting on the bench by himself with his, with his play calling thing, like just like this, not paying attention to the game. Now, Brian, now Brian Flores, during the same time, he's engaging with his whole team, offense, defense. Come on, you guys. we got to be, you know, getting your – Getting getting involved, so that's one thing. Being on a game day coach that I saw different, and the other thing is Brian came in and said we're going to be the least penalized team in the National Football League, and they went from being I think like maybe twenty nine or thirty under Adam to being number three in his first year, and you know how much difference that makes oh. in penalties, in stopping drives, and all those things. Field position, and again, you know, doesn't take talent to stay on sides. Doesn't you know? That's just. That's discipline. So, you know, it, it wasn't culture. It was more discipline, this and that, and, and, and accountability, you know. And so that, to me, was a difference between the two, the two coaches. And look where they're at now. He's on the ascent. Now, I don't even know if Adam even has a job in, in, in NFL this year. You know, two different coaches, almost in the same organization, within a very close proximity, and two completely different personalities of team and coaches. One's working, and one was a disaster. Two last questions for you, Kim, and you bring up a great point there about coaching. You're probably then not surprised 
that with all that kind of inconsistency at the coaching level to see what Ryan Tannehill's doing then in Tennessee because he's now got coaching and structure around him because Mike Vrabel comes from that New England Patriots. And now we're talking about another Patriot coach with Brian Flores. So you're talking about the discipline. Pre-snap penalties drive me crazy because, like you say, it takes no talent to stay on sides. It just takes discipline to do that. So you're probably not shocked on what you're seeing with Tannehill. He signs a $29 million per year deal with the Titans because he's in a good system now. Yeah, no no doubt. And and look, let, let's not you know he's got a pretty good running back back there that helps yeah, absolutely. him. Absolutely. Yeah, so a little bit. <laughs> I believe believe me when the draft came around we had the 18th pick. I just I, I come on Najee Harris, Najee Harris, Najee Harris. I could just see him helping out too, but that, that's another story, but you know, that certainly helped him, but but yeah, I think he got into a program that was more disciplined. There was, you know, that, that and 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 look, he you know, he, he had a great running back, but he certainly did his job. He made, you know, made a lot of good plays, made a lot of big plays, did a lot of things. And, and I think I I think his time with with the Dolphins was retarded by the by by the inconsistencies, different offensive coordinator, different head coach, this guy, that. It, it just the offensive line coach changes. Line, you know, players that shouldn't even been playing on the field, but that's what they had. And so yeah, I you know. Ryan was frustrating for me as a fan because I knew he had it in him, but I knew also that he really didn't have everything around him to take that next step. You know, maybe had the Dolphins drafted Derrick Henry, maybe it'd be a different story. But, um, but yeah, I think that, and I, I really to this day, I think he got really got a bum rap from the fans and the media in South Florida. Absolutely. Final question for you here. All right. With all this being said, last year's record, the improvement that we've seen over the last couple of years, your expectations are what in 2021? Well, look, I, I, I've said this on the, on the air a number of times in different, different avenues. I, I, think this, I think this team's Super Bowl window opens either this year or next year. And I think they've got a five-year window. Look, you're, you know, this, these days it's a five-year window, right? Because you know, if you win, then everyone get everyone needs big raises, and you, then you start losing players to salary cap. Although Tampa's been able to to keep their whole roster, but normally that doesn't happen. Um, so I think this team and look, this team is very young. I think they've got one player over thirty years old. You know, you got like I said, you got three offensive linemen that were rookies last year. All the rookies over the last couple of years have played a lot, so they've all played a lot of meaningful downs. And so I, I think I think the expectations for this team is I would expect them to be a playoff team this year. Look, Buffalo's Buffalo's a you know Buffalo may be one of the top two or three teams in the in the National Football League. Got to play them twice. New England, you know, Bill Belichick wants to prove that hey, you know, it was you know it was a Tom Brady or Bill Belichick. Well, right now Tom Brady's got is leading that that poll, right? right so I, right. Bill wants to get so you so you know Bill Belichick's you know Bill's going to be you know he's going to have his team playing at the top at, at their, their top level. So it's not going to be easy, but I think this team is good enough. Especially you'll get Jalen Waddle, you get some speed. You, you got speed in the receivers. I think defensively they're coming around. Got a lot of pass rushers, and they do that Omiba defense where they just you don't know who's coming. And and so I, I think I think they'd be a playoff team this year. And I think if they make the playoffs this year, then they're in that five year window to to be a Super Bowl type team where you're in that where you know how it is. If you're in the playoffs every year, especially if you can get a home if you can get a home game and a bye one game, and you're in the, in the AFC Championship game or NFC Championship game. And, and, you know, that's, that's, that, that's the advantage that New England has had for a long, long time. Absolutely. So I would suggest to everybody out there that's listening to me, when you're in South Florida, boat campers, 
I used to broadcast my shows each and every single Friday from Bo Campers and the burgers, sensational. Best burgers in South Florida. Kim, I love the place, man. And Appreciate it. Marino used to come by all the time. All the guys would step in there and I think he was looking for a free meal, but I don't know. Hey, damn, hey, hey, damn, damn, damn. You've been around football players a lot. How many of them aren't looking for a free meal? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm guilty too, man. <laughs> maybe, I'm, maybe that's what I'm doing here, Kim. Did you get the hint? Hey. I get the hint. You're on, you're, no, no, you're, you're, look, you're on, you're, you've been on full scholarship for a while, so you can, you're, you can be on full scholarship when you walk in my door, all right? You got it, Kim. Thank you, man. I appreciate catching all up right, again. Right. It's so wonderful to see you. Thank you, you Kim. Too. You got it. Kim Camper, part of the broadcast team for the Miami Dolphins. We'll take a brief time out, hit you back up here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com.
Welcome back to the National Football Show, Dan Cilio. If you go over to my Twitter page now, at Dan Cilio Show, Tim Brando from yesterday's conversation is retweeting some of the bites that we had on the show and some of the questions that we asked him. And, you know, he's, as you could tell, he's a fiery guy, doesn't really like the NCAA. He was commenting on Reggie Bush. And I threw out, I said, hey, Okay, so my college car was a Corvette, okay? And, and, and he's like, I dare you to post it. So I posted it. My red vet's on, you know, statute of limitations and now the new nil law. You know, I think you're going to get more stories of people talking about what went on during their college days. It's funny. You know, when we were winning the way we were winning back in the day, the University of Miami, I, I, I'll, I'll give you a story of an agent. And he's a prominent agent. I won't give you his name. I can't do that because I don't want him coming after me. But he is probably the second biggest agent in the NFL. Base because I, I think that probably even give it away. Maybe you can deduce it from his comments here. Let's see. So we had so many guys on our football team that was, you know, considered top flight guys, first round draft choices. I told you, man, there'd be any time on the field when we're scrimmaging, there's 10 first round draft choices to the NFL. I think my 86 team, I think 68 guys were drafted in the first three rounds off that football team. I think there were a couple first overall picks and a bunch of first rounders that were on that ball team. So, to have people in the community give you money was you really had to fight it off. After games, hey, man, all of a sudden, you know those $500 handshakes? See, at Miami, they were $500 handshakes. This was 1986. They weren't $100 handshakes. It was like, like Kim Camper said, man, when you were playing back then, it was the rock star hurricanes. Guys gave you money left and right. I'll never forget. So this is just me. And I was projected to be a first-round draft choice. I ended up coming out early, the whole thing with the NCAA. I still, um, in today's standards, was a second-round draft choice, Okay, even as a junior. So I'll never forget this agent came over to me, and he had $10,000 in a brown paper bag. And Jimmy hated this guy. He hated this guy. He was always hanging around the Hurricane players always. So he goes, Hey, this is for you. I open it up and it's $10,000 in like hundred dollar bills. It was like a drug deal. I'm looking, I'm going, what's this for? He goes, well, I'm opening a representation firm and, um, I'd like to represent you once you leave Miami or, you know, take care of some of the things that you may need now. And so I looked at the money and I was like, I remember this. I took it home to my to my house in Stanford, Connecticut. My grandfather goes like this. I had a brown paper bag, and he goes like this. He looks at it, and he's like, where'd you get this money from? I go, guy gave it to me. He goes, a guy gave it to you. Give it back. I had taken $1,200 out of it or something. I took my boys to a meal in New York. We went to, like, Spark Steakhouse. We had, like, $500. It was crazy great, man, right? 
grandfather goes, man, you take this, you'll take anything. And so I look down, I go back, I throw it to him. And then he's like, no, I want you to have it. So then I look over at one of my position coaches, Gary Stevens, and I go, coach, hey, here's my, I threw it to him. And I went like, he goes, oh, no, no, no. I threw it to him. I said, you need this more than me. That was the kind of pressure that was on when you're a program, say like today with Alabama. You don't think those Alabama kids don't have people, especially with social media today, that are constantly throwing money at them? Everywhere I went in the community, I never paid for a meal. I lived in a condo. I didn't pay rent. I mean, it was, or how about this? The rent we paid, we, we were living in this, in this condo on Brickell Avenue, and it must have been $2,000. They were charging us $200 a month to live there, and all three of us chipped in and paid, and we're living on Brickell Avenue in South Florida. It was crazy. This was going into my senior year. And I was like, I lived on campus the rest of the time. Then I lived off campus my junior year. But my senior year, I had this place with two other guys that were also like big time drafting. It was a common thing. And you know, it's funny. People back then would look at you and go, my God, you're taking benefits. I'm like, benefits? You're lucky I'm here. And that's how we looked at it. And I'm so happy to see these kids being paid. So go over there and Tim Brando's blasting on the NCAA. All right, we'll take a quick time out. You keep it here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life. Count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. 
Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.